I'm standing on the Mount of Olives. This is my absolute most favorite place on the entire planet because you get the best view of Jerusalem anywhere right here. And so to give you some background and understand what's going on, on, on Sunday before Jesus died on Friday, Jesus came in the city on this mountain. He came over from Bethany, he got on a donkey and Zechariah 14 tells us that the Messiah would come in on a donkey and so he was fulfilling prophecy as he did this and then he came down the road that ascended from the Mount of Olives. Today it's known as Palm Sunday Road and in a second we're going to show you Palm Sunday Road and down through the Garden of Gethsemane and then up into the city. But, but this was the place that Jesus came in on Palm Sunday and here's the significant thing. The Passover was coming and all the people were lined up behind me. These tombs weren't here at the time and people were camped out. And so they came up, they, they recognized Jesus and they recognized that he came in on a donkey and they came up and they started waving their palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is literally what it means. God, save us, save us, help, save us, Messiah, save us. Now, here's the significant thing as he walks in right on this stretch behind me and into the city as a conquering king. He's only the conquering king for a few days. And in just a few days after he comes in as a king and, and on this great, great, he is the Lord, he is the Messiah, he's killed a few days later. And I wonder today, if we treat Jesus like that, you're our Messiah, you're our king, save us. And then when something turns, we turn on him because that's exactly what it feels like to me. Hey guys, I'm so honored that you're here. Uh, I'm going to be a bit more reserved today if you're if you're uh, new to Four Points. Um, sometimes I preach like my hair's on fire and um, today you're not really going to get that version of me just because of uh, just circumstances and things that are going on. But but I am so excited to preach, and I want y'all to know that. I'm not going to not uh, give you a message. Um, I actually believe that this is God's plan for today. And so here's what I'm asking y'all to do is just open your heart up to what God wants to say to you and let him do a work in, in you today that I really believe will help you. Uh, but it's not me that's going to help you. Can I just be real with you right now? It, if you need me to help you, if I've learned anything in this week, and you'll find out in just a minute what this week has been like, but if you need me to help you, then you're really out of luck because you're not going to get a lot of help from this guy. But if you'll let the Lord help you, he'll do such a great work in your life right now that you don't even know what's going to hit you. It's going to be so amazing. And I believe that's going to be the case for many of you that are sitting in this room right now. And so that's what I'm believing for, and that's what I'm excited to see happen in many of your lives. And so I just want y'all to picture this. Um, at the Mount of Olives, it was Palm Sunday, and so they, they, the people were waiting. Y'all got to get this picture. The people were waiting anxiously for the, the coming Messiah and had been for generation after generation and generation. And, and so when they saw Jesus and, and they had heard rumblings about who this guy was and he came in on a colt or a donkey, they were like, holy crud, that's him. That's, that's the one that, that's him. And, and they, having been camped out in this location right here, and, and you just imagine what it looked like with, with thousands of people gathering on the side of a mountain. 
waiting for the Passover to come, which was, which was later in the week. It was, it was the day that Jesus would die. But they were going to hang out here, and it was a huge event back then. And when they saw Jesus, they rushed to the top of this mountain, how it went down into the valley that you can see there, the Kidron Valley, which is where the Garden of Gethsemane is, where Jesus came and prayed four days later, before, while in the exact place that they arrested him. And here's what, and I'm repeating, but I want to give you a little bit more. Here's what it means to shout Hosanna. Shouting Hosanna is not just a cool thing that you get a palm branch to do, but it literally means what they would say to a king that would come in that they thought could take away their hurt, could take away their problems. And so people right now, I'm not making fun or making light, but people right now are shouting Hosanna to presidential candidates because they're saying, save us from our hurt. Change all the, the things that you can do. We don't have any hope, so save us. And people get so angry. Y'all have seen it on social media. They're like, I hate this person and I hate this person. You voted for this person, I'll never talk to you again. Why? Because we think that's our salvation. We think that's our Hosanna. And there was only one that was worthy of waving a palm branch and shouting Hosanna to him. He was killed four days after this because a week can change everything. And so I just want you to get a picture of what this looks like. It's powerful. So let me stay on this picture a second, and I'm just going to walk with you for a second. I apologize, but the nerd in me is going to come out. All right, here we go. Up in this corner is Mount Zion. It's where the upper room is, and it's where Jesus went that night. And, excuse me, Thursday night, four days later, and, and he broke bread and said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. This is the cup that's going to be poured out. And it represents my blood that will be shed for you. And in that moment, they were all like, this dude, right? I'm a follower of his, but what is he talking about? He's crazy. And then he walks back down into this, into this valley, into the garden. And he, he frequented the Mount of Olives and especially the garden a lot to pray. When he was in Jerusalem, that was his prayer spot. But this night was different and this night carried a weight. And it was so deep and so heavy that it changed the course of history and it changed everything. And this week, through the events of some of the stuff that's gone on, God has shown me something. So if you're new to our church, I just want to let you in on what's going on. Uh, Devorius Gray, we called him Chi-Chi. Uh, he passed away on um, Tuesday morning of this week. And I'm going to share a little bit more of the story. But what you think something is going to happen and what you believe is not always the case. And when Jesus came in on this donkey, the disciples, now Jesus knew, but the disciples thought, oh yeah, <laughs> we've arrived, deuces, like I'm the man. And little did they know that they would be despised and rejected along with their conquering king that was coming in and they were throwing coats down just four days later. And a moment can change everything. A moment can shift the culture. The moment can shift the course of history. A moment can change everything. And for them, a moment did. And for us this week, many of us, who were close to Chi-Chi and we loved him. This is the service that he always came to. This is the service that he would be in the kids' room right now playing. This is the time that he would be doing his thing and not having a worry in the world because he was able to be loved on by some of you. And it's just heavy and it's hard. And I'm going to give you more a little bit later, but I just want to tell you, I had planned this message Weeks ago, obviously, in January, we were standing on the Mount of Olives, and I had planned this message. I said exactly what I said weeks in advance, having no idea what was actually going to take place. And God knew exactly what needed to be said, when it needed to be said, and it is doggone sure 
not a man's words. It's what he needs to declare to a people to heal them and to bring them together. And I'm just excited today because I believe God's going to do something. And so four days after Jesus came in and he was a conquering king, he walks into, this is the place, by the way, of where he was crucified, that black ball, if you can see it up there on the screen. And in all that that took place in the temple, this is the temple mount, this is where the temple was at the time. Jesus went in there and he was rebuking people and they started hating him. And many of them already hated him and then they arrested him in this garden. But here's the deal. Listen, God showed me something this week that has literally changed how I see things. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's wrecked me. And I want you to see this. So then he goes to the garden. And this is a picture of the garden. I want you all to see this. This is like an overhead view or a bigger picture. And I believe that this is a lot what it looked like back then. This is, this is the, the, farthest, uh, the farthest north part of the garden. So it's not the part that you go if you travel. There's this old trees, and it's crazy. It's beautiful. And you go to that part, and there's a church there. But this is the part that I believe looks most like it did when Jesus was there. All grass, beautiful place, big open field. And then this is a closer view of maybe what it looked like. And you can actually go into this section, but m many people don't because there is a section that we believe is where Jesus was. And it, the trees are massive. It's crazy. They're, they're at least a couple thousand years old. And so you look at them, and I mean, they're... Thin olive trees is how most olive trees look, and these things are huge, five feet in diameter plus, some of them. And I just love this scene because I believe that you can just picture Jesus bowing down and praying. And God showed me something this week about why he was under so much agony, and that's what I want to share with you guys today. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn to Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to jump right in. Luke 22 says that after he had left the upper room, he, he went out. As it was customary, and he went to the upper room, or excuse me, he went to the Mount of Olives, and his, and his disciples followed him. And look at what this says. When he came to the place called the Garden of Gethsemane, it doesn't say it right here, but it was that place that he went. He said to them, Pray that you won't enter into temptation. And when he withdrew about a stone's throw away from them, he knelt down and prayed. Now get this, this is this is big. Saying, Father, remove this cup if you're willing. Have y'all ever prayed that before? I need somebody to talk to me up in this place because I need y'all to help me preach because I'm running out of steam up in this mug today. Has anybody ever prayed, God, I would really like you to take this from me? Huh, because I sure have. All of us are on the same page. And then when he doesn't, have y'all ever said, God, why don't you love me? Why would you ever let something like this happen to me? Why would you ever let something like this happen to a child? Why would you ever let something like this happen to anybody that loves you? Why would you ever do something like this until you stop and consider that his only son was saying in this moment, take this from me. And he chose not to for the sake of your sin and your shame and your hurt so that you could be called the righteousness of God. And it kind of changes your perspective. To look down on Jesus and see what he did in that moment and then look up to Jesus because that's where he is on the right hand of the Father and realize that he said in that moment, take this cup. But I want y'all to get this. I always thought that the cup was the cross. I mean, it's the worst death anyone can even possibly imagine. It was so bad that they couldn't even recognize his face. And yet I'm convinced this week that, that that's literally not it. And it may have had almost nothing to do with it. Certainly he knew the pain that he was going to go through. But it was much deeper than that. And he said, but not my will, but yours be done. And, and then angels appeared to him and they began to minister to him and strengthen him. And verse 44 says that 
He was in agony. He was overwhelmed with agony. And this is prior to him being arrested, so he had not been beaten at all yet. But he was in agony. And he prayed even more earnestly, and sweat became like great drops of. One more time. But like sweat began to fall like great drops of blood began to fall from his pores. And I just want y'all to picture being a disciple in that place right then and looking over and seeing Jesus praying. And I bet I would have been like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with him? Like, I know he's intense and he loves the Lord and all, but dude is sweating blood. And it was the burden that he felt for every single person on this planet, for every single person in the world. And here's what God showed me this week. Monday was a normal day. I was doing my thing. NCAA tournament bracket came out. Uh, and so I was interested kind of in the back of my mind. And I don't know if y'all do this, but I do like a, a, I'm not very good at this, by the way, but I try to plan my week out. I try to be really organized, and then I do all kinds of stuff because ADD, praise the Lord. But like I try, to, I try to plan my week out and do the best I can, right? And so I, Leah bought me a thing because she's organized and I'm not to God be the glory. And so like she bought me this thing, and it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had lists out. I'm going to get this done this day, and I had it all mapped out. And I preached a D-Now weekend, which is just teenagers getting together three different times. So last night I preached, yesterday morning I preached, and then Friday night. And I, I knew I had something Friday morning. I, I, I preached a lot this week. Uh, counting the funeral at 2 o'clock, I will preach eight times just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I knew I had to get ready. Y'all know what I mean? Like I had a lot to prepare. And I had it all mapped out. I was like, I can do this. We got it. I was telling the Lord how it was going to be because <laughs> that's what I do. I'm good at that too. But I've learned a little bit this week. And so... Monday was cool. Y'all, if y'all were, who was not in town Monday? Let me see your hand. You were out of town on Monday. You missed, Weston, Hurricane Katrina and some kind of tornado that went through this area. Am I right? I mean, I got my cell phone out. I was like, click, 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 click. And I said, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to video this because if we need some insurance, I'm going to have some proof if they say I wasn't in this in the storm. And so our yard looked like it had snowed. Some of y'all's yard looked the same way or iced, or whatever you want to call it, but it's a little bit bigger than sleet, and it was just going crazy, and Lee and I were done. I worked hard all day Monday. It was a great day. I got a lot done, and I went to bed, and I don't sleep, so I was laying in bed, not sleeping, and uh, about 1 a.m., I finally crashed. I put my phone every night on sleep mode from like midnight to 6 a.m. so that I can try to sleep six hours. Sometimes I haven't, sometimes it doesn't, and I need y'all to know this. When I go to sleep, I got someone in here that can testify, fist bump. When I go to sleep, I do work on some sleep. Are y'all with me? Y'all can, can understand that the Lord blessed me with an endowment of lips, okay? Y'all see it? You're welcome. People get Botox for these, so don't hate, appreciate. And, but when I sleep, sometimes they don't stay together. Anyone with big lips in here, I need y'all to say amen up in this mug because like, oh, they open up, and I look like Wanda back in the day. Hey, and like, it gets crazy, okay? So... So I'm just sleeping, doing my thing every night, and I, I make the drool spots. Whoever drools in here, y'all holler at me. Oh, mouth breathers, okay. But like, and so when I go to sleep, I wake up when it's time to wake up. I mean, my bladder's full, and we got to go do our thing. But I, I just wake up when it's time to wake up, and nope, none before that. And I woke up suddenly and alert at 3.15. No vibration in the room, no. And I was like, what in the devil is going on? And I looked over at my phone immediately checked my phone and I had gotten a call that went straight to voicemail and gotten 
multiple messages. This is what the message said. Chi-Chi's been hung. And we'd love for you to come and just be with us during this time. His organs are shutting down. And we don't know what's going to happen. And I just, I'm just going to be real with y'all today. Here's what my initial reaction was. Nope. Nope. I wake up from this dream. Nope. I'm not. mm -mm. And then I looked again. And I just got, I got mad. And I got frustrated. And I got right up, put my hat on, put my clothes on. Leah woke up and said, Mark, it's not time to go to work. You know, like, what are you doing? And I said, I told her what happened. And she loved him. She was in his classroom all the time here. And she, she got really upset and um, we both just sat there and cried and got and, and didn't know what to do and then I just drove straight to the hospital I want y'all to know that in the hospital I was believing God for a miracle I laid over his body I literally I'm, I'm telling you I'm not embarrassed of this or either way I, I literally laid on his body and said God I'm believing you for a miracle and I want you to know before God I believed that he was going to give him a miracle and I just kept praying, kept praying. I was putting my hands on him, on his head, on his, little, on his chest that was puffed up, on everything that was taking place. I'm not going to give you a picture of the scene because you don't want it. And at 11.15, Devorius Gray passed away. And I felt, I mean, it, it, you just felt your heart sink because it was just like, man, that's the sweetest. If y'all knew him, he smiled. He was the sweetest kid, man. He was, he was just full of love. I headbutted him, or headbutted him and put him in a headlock every time I saw him because he just had one of those heads that you like to headbutt and, give, and put in a headlock. I just love to kiss his head because he was just my dude. And I'm going to say something that y'all might take offensive. And if y'all want to take something offensive today, I'm probably going to give you plenty that you can take offensive to. But my immediate thought was this isn't the kid that this is supposed to happen to. He comes from a good home. He's clean. He's kind. He's middle class. This is the wrong one. We have plenty of children that come through our four kids ministry that if I would have heard it would have been them, I would have been devastated and I would not have been surprised. But he was not one of those. And every thought that you can imagine raced through my mind, but here's the one thing that I just couldn't live without and couldn't escape and I didn't know what to do with. I'm a man. You're welcome because y'all just learned something, right? And as a man, every man in here, unless God just made you a little bit different, we have this gene in us where we want to fix stuff. Can I get an amen from every man in here to agree? So when we see a problem, we fix it. When our wives tell us something, man, this is free and y'all can just write this down. And I'm telling you, every man should write this down right now that's married. Every time our wives tell us something, they don't want us to fix it. They just want us to listen. I'm learning this the hard way after 15 years of not listening. Can I get an amen up in this mug? And she just wants us to just listen, and, and, but I want to fix it. I'm the worst counselor that has ever lived because I counsel people all the time, and I give them about five minutes to talk, and I'm fixing all their problems. Terrible counselor. You're supposed to listen. I, don't, I already got your answer. Come on. Why are you talking still? I'm serious. It's embarrassing. And can I just tell you all, when I was sitting in the hospital room with so many family members and so many aunts and cousins and Literally, in my lifetime, I've never felt that hopeless. Never. 
because I just thought to myself, there's nothing I can do to fix this. There's nothing I can do. I don't have enough money, enough power, enough wisdom, enough strength, enough anything to change life and death. I don't have enough money, power, strength, or wisdom to do anything about the hurt that his family is feeling. I literally cannot change anything in this moment. And I just wanted, I cried, and I got frustrated, and I just, I just did, I, I literally, for one of the first times of my life, just said, God, I don't know what to do. And by the grace of God, I, I believe I did the right thing, and that's just cry with them and just hug them and just say, I don't know. <laughs> if I could just be real with y'all, I said at least 500 times this week, I'm sorry, and I don't understand. I have no insight and no wisdom and no knowledge and no understanding, and I'm just so sorry, and I love you guys, and I'm so sorry, and I love you guys, and I believe that that's exactly what God would have for us to do. So time, a little bit of time passed, and our staff was up at the church, and um, we were all in there, and we were all emotional. We were basket cases, y'all. It was, luckily, they didn't have to minister to us, but it was everything but that. And we, we all felt the same way. And then Tika, and a lot of y'all know Tika. Um, Tika's been our very good friend for a long time since back in school, along with Latrice, Chi-Chi's mama, and, um. So Tika got there and their first cousins and she had not seen the body yet and I took Tika back into the room. And I warned her before we got back there, Tika girl, you need to be prepared because what you're going to see is not what you think you're going to see. This is not a beautiful body laying there. It's a body that's been through a lot of trauma and you need to prepare yourself. And we walked in. She broke down. I'm holding Tika. And I look across the room, y'all. I just need y'all to give me some grace today because I did not do well in the first service. Lord help me. And I really don't want to cry. I'm just telling y'all I hate crying. I hate crying so much. I don't like crying in front of people. I don't like crying by myself. I'm over there crying during the second song. I'm trying to stop it. So I'm just telling y'all, but I'm not apologizing if I do because this is just the truth. I look across the room, y'all, and I see Nasia, who is his little sister, and she's the one that found him. She's emotionless, and she's just staring at him, and I could tell in that moment that she was waiting on him to breathe, and he had been passed for, for hours at this time, a couple hours, and my heart felt this heaviness that I can't even begin to comprehend or explain, and so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Tika, and I whispered in Tika's ear, I think Naja's trying to watch for Chi-Chi to breathe. And we both just, you could hear Tika and myself, you could just hear the breath come out. And I just went over there and I put my arm around her just like this and I said, baby girl, can I give you a hug? She said, yes, sir. And I went down to a knee and I hugged her sweet little neck. And then I said, can I pick you up, sweetie? And she said, yes. And when I picked her up, when I picked her up, I felt all of her weight just, it was, it was literally, she just collapsed 
And she just began to weep. And right now I'm crying. I'm not weeping. If you don't know the difference, it's an uncontrollable hurt. That if you've never felt pain, you've never felt this. And y'all, in that moment, I'm just telling y'all. I've been through a lot of hurt in my life. But God's grace has been sufficient every single time. And he's gotten us through. Leah has seen me cry. Gracious, I cry all the time because I'm a baby. But I, Leah's, I really don't think Leah's ever seen me weep. 19 years we've been together, 15 years we've been married. And in that moment, I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I cried. I literally, y'all, I was holding her shoulders, and I was holding her legs. She's the same size as my little girl. And I just shook with her, and I had more tears come out of my body in that 10-minute span than maybe in my entire life combined. And this is why. I just wanted to take it away. I just wanted to fix it. And I hurt for Latrice and Kalsine and DeAndre and Daquan and all of the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody that was left behind and so many hurting people. But that little girl just tore me up. And in that moment, I thought about Jesus. God put on my mind toward the end of that 10 minutes, and I'm just, I can't stop crying, and I'm Tika's ministering to me at this time, and we're all hugging as a, all three of us were just hugging, and and I'm telling y'all, I heard the Lord say this. For the first time, on the smallest of scales, you felt what I felt for you. I want to repeat what I just said because I want you to feel the weight and the power behind. Y'all, it was so much that I literally, I'm telling y'all this before God, and I'm not trying to move you or manipulate you. I'm just being as raw as I can be. I do not physically know if I could do what I did on Tuesday in this moment. It felt like my insides were being ripped out. I would have, as God is my witness, I would have sold my home and my car and given every dollar just to take her hurt away, not to fix anything. In one moment, I was, I, I, I didn't, I just wanted to fix it. And this verse came to my mind. Isaiah 53, surely Jesus has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. In that garden when he was praying, surely he bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. On your worst day that you ever thought you would live, surely he bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. Now, Jesus was God, but I want you all to hear this. He was still fully man. And I could not as a man physically handle the weight of one human being. And yet Jesus carried the weight of everyone that has been and ever will be. Can you imagine why he sweat blood in that garden that day? And yet so many of us, we continue to carry our own weight and our own burden because we believe that we're capable of handling anything. And yet we esteem him stricken and smitten of God, smitten by God, excuse me, and afflicted. And it goes on to say that he was wounded for our transgression and crushed for our sins and by his stripes we are healed. And I just sat back and I'm continuing to weep deeply with her and I'm just thinking what a savior what a savior man I'm so stubborn y'all I'm 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 the most stubborn 
person in the world because I believe that I have a fix. And I want y'all to hear what God told me this week. I don't have a fix for anything. I can't help anything. I can be obedient, and that is my only calling in this life. If 750 people show up or if 200 people show up, if I say things that are right or if I say things that are wrong, the only thing that I'm judged for is whether or not I was obedient to Christ. And if I point people to him because he is their only hope and he is the only one that can carry your burdens. He is the only possibility for you when you feel hopeless. And some of you in this room right this second feel so hopeless you don't know where to turn. He is your only hope. He is the only chance that you have not to feel that way tomorrow or the next day. Because James 4 verse 14 says this life is like a vapor or a mist. It is here and then it's gone. And if we're blessed, it's 85, 90 years. And in tragic situations, it's 11. But at the end of the day, 90 years in the grand scheme of things is very short. And we live all of our stuff for that. And we carry around burdens all the time. And we never look at each other and say, I want to carry your burdens today. Because I know that you can't, but I know that God can through me. And I just want to give you a shoulder that you can cry on and someone that you can love on. And I, I don't have anything good to say. But in this moment, I want to tell you this. And then one other verse came to my mind. Shortest verse in the Bible. Does anybody know it? Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. It doesn't say Jesus cried. It doesn't say Jesus tear up, teared up. I believe that he ugly cried in that moment. This is the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus had died. He'd been there for four days. And they believe after three days the spirit passes. The Jewish people believe that. And so they are just weeping because they know he's gone and there's no hope. But I need y'all to hear the hope. The hope that we have is the fact that what he knew about Lazarus is what I know about Chi-Chi. And it's the fact that even though he was laying in a grave and even though he was passed, Jesus knew that he was already alive because the resurrected king had resurrected him. That, that he had taken the keys of death and hell and he had defeated the grave and death cannot be swallowed up. Because death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has no sting anymore. And the first day of the greatest day of the rest of his life was the first day in death. That is what we have to begin to understand is when I am struggling with the death of someone, I can then minister to people and understand that I would do whatever I would do to bring Chi-Chi back. But Chi-Chi would not let me bring him back because he's in glory. And so then I can begin to hurt for the people that I can hurt for. And I can understand this. Mark Pangle is not going to help any of you through anything. But I can point you to the one person that can. And many of you walked in here today and you were carrying such heavy burdens. You're carrying such heavy past. You were abused. You were rejected. You, were, you have been through hell and back this week alone. Through something totally different that I haven't spoken about. But I want you to heed the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, and he said, listen guys, come to me. Come to me all who are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you, what is this word? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and, because I'm gentle and lowly. Can I just tell you that this week, there's only one song that's been on my heart all week, and I love all these songs that we sing. But this is the one song that's been on my heart. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. 
I haven't been screaming at the top of my lungs in some of these cases. But there's a friend that sticks closer to the brother to, than a brother in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is gentle and lowly. And he is the place of rest for all of you. He's lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your soul through only him. Listen to me. You can buy or think or do whatever you want to do, but at the end of the day, the only chance that you have in this life is to find rest in Jesus Christ and to lay it down at his feet. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I just want you to hear this today. We're about to sing, Oh, Come to the Altar, and it's one of my favorite songs. And I believe today many of you need to come to the altar for the very first time and lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, I've known all about Jesus, but I've never made him Lord of my life, and I'm ready to lay that down. An altar is not a place, it's a person, and it's King Jesus, and I'm ready to lay that down at his feet today, and he can have all of my burdens and all of my shame and all of my hurt because he died to take away all your sin, but all your hurt, all your shame. And he says, let me carry it because you've tried so hard and there's no longer time for you to do it. I'm the only one that can possibly help in your hurt. And so guys, today I just want you to have a chance to respond. We had someone respond in the first service. I want y'all to hear how awesome God is through a tragedy that we would change if we could. More than 50 people have been saved this week as a result. More than 50 people. And I want y'all to listen to this carefully. Some of you are going to right now. Don't let anything hold you back. Here's what salvation is confessing and believing. That Jesus died and every drop of blood that he shed was to, to suffer the death that you would never have to suffer so you could live the life that you could not possibly live without him. He shed his blood so that you could be free and have victory in his name. And right now, I just want you to proclaim in Jesus' name that you want him to be your savior. Will you bow with me? Lord Jesus, move in this room right now. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to do that right this second, I want you to not hesitate and throw your hand up as high as you can in this room. I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I want to hear this from you guys. I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. And when I go to, or when I die someday, heaven is my eternity because I've made him Lord and Savior. If that's you, just lift your hand up. I know that I'm a Christian. If you know for sure that you're a Christian, wherever you are in this room, lift your hand up. I know for sure, Pastor Mark, that I'm saved. I've given him my heart and life. I am saved for sure, forever. Thank you. Put your hands down. If, you, if you're not one of those, I just want you to peek up at me. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. There's nothing farther that I could ever think of than that people looking at me in this room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a decision right now if you're going to keep carrying your burdens and your shame or if you're going to say, I'm laying this at the feet of Jesus. And if you're ready to lay it at the feet of Jesus, I just want you to throw your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to come to the altar of Jesus and let him save me. Come on, somebody. This is you in this room. This is your time. There's many people that need Jesus to save them right now. Let me see your hand. Throw it up wherever you are as high as you can and say, I'm ready for Jesus to save me from my sin, from my shame, and give him my life right now. It is no longer time for you to carry this around. Take upon his yoke because it's better. Who is it in this room that wants to do that right this minute? I see you. Who else? Right here, I see you. Who else is it? Thank you. Thank you right here. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else is it in here? We have two here. We have one here, but I believe there's more, and maybe I don't see them. Back here in the back.
I got you. Everybody else, I want y'all to have this opportunity. We're going to sing, but I believe some people need to come to the altar. And I want y'all to just get up right where you are and just pray with us and just lay it down. Guys, I know y'all are hurting, and we want to minister with you, and we want to pray with you. But there is a friend that you have in Jesus that's so much better, and we're going to declare his name right now as we sing this. But I just want to, I just want you to have a chance to get up right where you are and just lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Will y'all do that with me right now and come? God, thank you for being the altar. Thank you for purchasing all of our debt and shame and sin and defeating death. Thank you that only you are the one that can give us healing and hope. And in our worst days, you love us so deeply. In the things that we've done that we're so embarrassed about, you say, what sin? And you just want to give us rest in your name. And so now, Lord, we just kneel at your feet and we come. We love you, Jesus. Y'all don't hesitate. Come to the altar.